Hi, and welcome to Top in 10, a Global Council podcast. My name's Connor Darcy, and I am your regular host and a senior practice director at Global Council. I'm delighted today to be joined by Alana Kunkel. Today's podcast is going to take on a transatlantic theme, and Alana's going to take us through it. We're going to look at the latest installment of the ill-fated story of data transfer agreements between the EU and the US. These legal arrangements underpin the online economy between the EU and the US. Any customer data, employee data, or data in social media networks and advertising. So there's a lot at stake, and Alana's going to take us through that bit by bit. So welcome, Alana. Can we start by giving listeners a quick recap on that backstory that I just alluded to? So what came before the data protection framework and this recent tumultuous history in the transatlantic data arrangements? Hi, Conan. Thanks so much for having me. The EU-US data privacy framework is the EU's attempt to issue a legal decision that essentially will allow for the free flow of personal data transferred to the US from the EU. The reason why we need this framework in the first place is because of the EU's data protection regime under the General Data Protection Regulation, the GDPR, which mandates that personal data flowing to another country must be protected to a level that is essentially equivalent to the level of protection within the EU. What's quite interesting about this is that since the adoption of the GDPR and its predecessor, the Data Protection Directive, there have already been two attempts to create such a framework, which some of you might recall under the sort of flashy names of Safe Harbor and Privacy Shield. And although both of those decisions have gone through similar processes of adoption as the current framework is undergoing right now, they both have been annulled by the Court of Justice of the EU under the initiative of privacy activist Max Schrempf. The reasoning of the court behind this has been that the level of protection granted in the previous instruments has not been enough to sufficiently protect the personal data of EU citizens. And what still lies very much at the heart of the concerns in the EU is the mass data collection of US security services, as has been revealed previously by Edward Snowden. A recent executive order published by President Biden in October 2022 is meant to address this issue. And it's on the basis of that, that the framework is now published on the data privacy framework. So the data privacy framework is very much to attempt to rectify the previous instruments and to address the grievances of the court and of privacy activists. In the view of many businesses, it is really the chance, maybe even the last chance to have a legally solid framework in place for international data transfer between the EU and the US. Great. So thanks, Alana. That's that's sort of given us a good overview of, of what's happened. So just to capture some of that personal data transfer, and that's what we're talking about here personal data, not industrial data or other forms of data. So personal data that is transferred outside of the European Union, there needs to be a legal basis on which to do that. And the easiest way to do that is what's called an adequacy decision. And these agreements that you've just talked about, first Safe Harbor, then the Privacy Shield, and now the new Data Protection Framework, they are all versions of an adequacy decision. They're a sort of more limited version, but that's essentially what they are. So they are a legal basis for European Union personal data to go to the United States. But what we've seen with these previous cases is just a whole load of uncertainty for businesses and also for individuals and citizens about the legal basis on which that can happen. We've had the first safe harbor agreement squashed by the European Court of Justice. The privacy shield had exactly the same fate. And I think as we'll go on to in this conversation, try to explore whether the same fate might befall the data protection framework. 
So I suppose the question that obviously flows from that context, Alana, then is if the other two agreements were squashed by the Court of Justice, what is there to stop the data protection framework having the same fate? And by virtue of that question, what are the enhancements that we've seen with the data protection framework that go beyond its predecessor privacy shield arrangements? Yes, Conan. So as I mentioned, the data privacy framework includes a new legal framework also from the side of the US, which aims to tackle all those issues that the EU has previously held under data protection regime in the US. One of the most contentious issues uh, in the negotiations between the EU and US in this whole process was the new redress mechanism. So a significant change uh, that has been made in the US is that it has now introduced a data protection review court. Previously, if I wanted to challenge how American agencies, agencies have handled my personal data, I did not really have a way of doing so. At least I couldn't go to court in the US. And this was one of the main reasons why the Court of Justice in the EU has annulled the previous privacy shield. Whereas now there is an independent judicial body that grants EU citizens the right to challenge any data transfer decisions in the US. Another significant improvement made by the executive order of President Biden, published in October 2022, is that the gathering of data by US intelligence agencies will now be subjected to the principles of proportionality and necessity, which essentially just means that there will be quite stringent safeguards on US intelligence agencies to gather and transfer this data. And in order to oversee this and see that this is effectively monitored, the US has also introduced the role of the Civil Liberties Protection Officer, who will enforce those principles on the US administrative side. So these changes really mean to address the core of the concerns of the EU and of the Court of Justice, which in the case of the Privacy Shield, have been very much around the lack of redress for US citizens and the mass data gathering of US agencies. But we do need to note here that the mechanism in place is an executive order in the end of the day and not a legislative act. So that means that it still could potentially be revoked by the president. So it sounds like from how you described it that actually quite a lot has changed from the privacy shield and that both sides the European Commission, but also the US administration have made real progress in coming up with new mechanisms in order to satisfy what the Court of Justice was concerned about. However, you did point on that very tricky element at the end, which is that legal basis. And that will be important as we'll come on to discuss, I expect. The EU side will want these provisions, these protections, these forms of redress to be legally sound Otherwise, the concern would be they may not live up or uh, survive a legal challenge at the Court of Justice. So that's the key context as we look into now what I want to go on to, Alana, because the reason we're talking about this, particularly today, is because there has been this opinion by the European Data Protection Board. So I'd really be interested to understand uh, what did they say, but also if you could just let listeners know just to start with what the European Data Protection Board is and the function that it plays. Yes, absolutely. So to explain to our listeners, the European Data Protection Board is the EU body that is in charge of data protection and of oversight of the general data protection regulation. And it consists of national data protection agencies as well as the European Data Protection Supervisor. And now to go more into the details of what this opinion actually says, in short, The opinion of the Data Protection Board states that there have been significant improvements made compared to the previous agreements in the data privacy framework, 
but that some concerns remain and should be still addressed. And I believe it makes sense to put those concerns in three broad categories. So there are concerns relating to the commercial aspects of data transfer. So we're talking business to business. Then there are concerns relating to data transfers to a state agency. So here we're talking essentially data transfer to US intelligence agencies. And third, there are some general remarks on enforcement and monitoring. Regarding the commercial transfer of data, the EDPB, the European Data Protection Board's opinion, mentions that the data transfer principles have in essence remained the same as under the privacy shield, and that therefore some caveats remain specifically about certain data subject rights. The main concern here is really the onward transfer of data, meaning what happens exactly to all those principles and safeguards in place once data is initially received by the US, but would then be transferred onwards, for example, to say Canada. However, arguably the much larger criticism in the EDPB's opinion is regarding the transfer of data to US authorities, because this really goes to the core of the EU's anxiety of the potential mass surveillance by US intelligence authorities. Here, the EDPB states very clearly that the data privacy framework should be adopted only under the condition that the executive order in the US is implemented effectively. The main point of concern here is the bulk collection of data, where the EDPB notes that as of right now in the US framework, there is no requirement for something called prior authorization by an independent authority. So there's no independent authority checking that this will actually be signed off on when mass data is collected in bulk. So the EDPB is just really questioning here whether this will be enough, whether there will be enough safeguards in place that will prevent this mass gathering and transfer of data by US agencies to take place. Finally, the EDPB makes a broader point on effective oversight and enforcement of the framework. Here, the board calls for regular periodic review every three years and an increased focus on monitoring of the implementation process on the US side, specifically on the principles of professionality and necessity that I have previously mentioned as well as really closely monitoring the new redress mechanism that is going to be quite important as it was really the main concern of the court previously. So the focus of the EDPB seems to be very much on checking compliance with the US rather than just assuming that compliance is already in place with the existence of the new executive order. And just to stress there, this is an opinion and the commission and member states can almost do what they will uh, with that opinion, but they aren't going to take this lightly and they know that they will be under scrutiny from the european data protection board in the coming years and they will want to satisfy what the european data protection board has set in its opinion and want to be able to come back to both them and the european parliament and say that they have fulfilled the conditions around enforcement that in turn will mean we will see the european commission really pressing their counterparts on in the us about how those mechanisms are put in place but assuming that all happens, Ilana, that sounds to me like relatively plain sailing for the European Commission and the US administration. Is it all systems go now? So, Conan, I think it's fair to say that nothing about this agreement has really been smooth sailing so far. But I do think that there's reason to be cautiously optimistic, as the EDPB has not recommended rejecting the adequacy decision as such, but has recognized and even commended significant improvements compared to the other framework and then has merely given recommendations for further enhancements. So one side of the coin is that the commission will certainly be relieved to find that the Data Protection Board does not recommend rejecting the framework. But on the other side, there are quite a few concrete concerns that, that I have mentioned that we talked about, 
which the EDPB will certainly watch over closely the following month. I think it's worth noting here, though, that the EDPB also did not recommend rejecting the previous frameworks, and we all know how that ended. So I would say while the opinion is indicative of any legal troubles ahead, it will in the end be in the hands of the Commission and the US administration to ensure that the framework is fit for implementation and that it will withstand potential challenges. So the pressure is really on here for both the Commission and the US administration to prevent the déjà vu from happening. Okay, so that's clear. And you alluded to, Alana there, the, the, the broader court case and how actually the EDPB or its predecessor organizations had also approved previous uh, versions of these data transfer arrangements, but they got struck down in court. So let's go on to the wider actors here. What role do we expect the European Parliament or privacy activists like Max Schrems to be playing as we move forward? So, yeah, if I may add to your previous point still, because I think it's still worth elaborating a little bit on the potential challenge of a change of administration. Um, as you've mentioned previously, Conan, uh, we have the US elections in 2024, so that's quite soon. Um, and if the Republicans were to win the election, it will be uncertain whether the executive order will be upheld, uh, especially since an executive order can quite easily be withdrawn by the president himself. And that's something which is not commonplace, but we have seen it happening. We have seen it happening under Trump, and it's something that we might see happening again, even if the framework that is implemented stands the test of time and of the courts. There is no guarantee, really, that this might not change a few years down the line with a potential change of administration. And that is something that MEPs in the European Parliament have uh, criticized quite uh, sternly uh, during a recent hearing that the executive order does not necessarily grant a lot of certainty right now and that in the end of the day it is still quite susceptible to change with a potential change of administration and that is on the change of administration but to answer to your question on about ad other actors in the process um, next to the European Data Protection Board the process of implementation of the data framework also allows the European Parliament to give an opinion. And recently, a committee within the European Parliament called the Committee on Civil Liberties, Justice and Home Affairs has tabled a draft motion for resolution in which it essentially stated that the data privacy framework does not adequately protect the rights of EU citizens still. However, that sounds quite instrumental, but we have to keep in mind that the Parliament's opinion is not binding, first of all, and second of all, this is still in the beginning and we can still expect a wide range of amendments in plenary, uh, which likely means that the final motion will be a lot more balanced in its approach than it is now under this committee, which is traditionally quite privacy concerned. So it's fair to say that the motion for resolution probably won't derail the implementation process, but if adopted, it will certainly further increase the pressure on the commission to address the concerns uh, such as those mentioned in the opinion of the EDPB. However, what could potentially derail the implementation of the framework is the member states, as they will still have to sign up on the draft decision during a committee meeting. The votes of the larger member states, such as France and Germany, are usually quite decisive in that. And we have seen in France, uh, France has been one of the most critical voices in this and has stated concerns about the current decision potentially not passing the test of the court again. 
while Germany is likely to be more supportive over the new framework as they are traditionally concerned a lot with the industry and industry is clearly the one who would clearly benefit from having a framework in place for guaranteeing the flow of data, which by the way is worth a trillion euros in cross-border commerce. Overall though, it's really unlikely that the committee will vote against the framework and we can be quite confident that a positive vote will be issued by member states. Even if all goes well and the decision is implemented as expected by July this year, the Commission will still have to deal with Max Schrems. And I've mentioned it several times, there's Max Schrems, who has become infamous for taking the previous data transfer agreements to the Court of Justice. And Max Schrems has in fact already announced that he will challenge the current decision again. So the question is not really whether it will be challenged, but rather if upon the inevitable challenge that will follow by Max Schrems, the new framework will hold in front of the Court of Justice. The Commission certainly thinks that it does and that it will, and the European Data Protection Board at least doesn't think that it won't. But obviously, we won't know for sure until it will really be in front of the judges. So this is also a reason why the opinion of the EDPB is so influential in this case, because the opinion will certainly be read and studied very closely by Max Schrems, uh, who is likely to draw on the arguments that have been made in the, in the opinion and potentially use those for a future challenge. So if we take that in sum, ultimately it's the member states, and by that we mean the national governments of the European Union, the 27 national governments, who will ultimately get to say yes or no, and we think they're going to say yes, the Parliament may raise concerns. It may even say that the agreement should be rejected, but is non-binding. The European Data Protection Board opinion that we've been talking to, about today is non-binding, but the significance of those non-binding opinions is later down the line when we're going to see almost inevitably a court challenge. And the arguments used by the European Data Protection Board very recently could very well inform what Max Schrems and other activists use in the legal case that they pose uh, against the data protection framework in court. So I suppose for those on the line, while the agreement, if it is indeed uh, certified by member states in the coming weeks and months, may bring some short-term certainty, there's still that medium to longer-term certainty, uncertainty over the next few years that you need to keep in the back of your minds. So, Alana, let's just wrap up and make sure that listeners understand exactly what is going to happen next. So what are the next steps? Yes, Conan. So we haven't quite reached the end of the timeline yet. As we mentioned, the European Parliament has the right to scrutinize the decision and currently MEPs are drafting amendments to the draft resolution and this draft resolution will be tabled in plenary, so in front of the whole parliament uh, on the 17th of April. So that's a date to look out for. And then the decision will still go to the committee of member states. And while that hasn't been scheduled yet, we can also expect that to happen within the next few months. As in terms of finalization, the commission had indicated that it hoped to wrap up the decision by June or July this year. And we have seen with previous adequacy decisions that the six months from publication to adoption is realistic. But again, we have to keep in mind here that uh, the pressure is quite high right now on the commission to get it right. And that might potentially slightly delay the timeline. In the quite unlikely case that the framework will fall through, whether that be in the committee's vote or later through a court challenge, which is 
certainly more likely than a negative committee vote, then in that case, the future of the U.S. data transfer will once again be quite uncertain, as you said, Conan. And many U.S. policymakers have actually said that this is really the final chance and that the framework falling through again would really undermine the credibility of the commission as a negotiating partner. So to wrap up, I think this is really a decisive moment for U.S. data transfer. And we should really be hopeful that third time's a charm and that the EU and the US will really get it right this time around. Great. Thanks so much, Ilana. So for those on the line, look out for the 17th of April for the vote in the European Parliament. And then we expect sometime in and around June for the adequacy decision, which will certify the data protection framework to be approved. So Alana, thanks for taking uh, myself, but also listeners uh, through that. It was a real uh, tour de force on your podcast uh, debut. For those on the line, if you, your business or your investment are exposed to this transatlantic data transfer trend that we've been talking about, please don't hesitate to get in touch. You can find our contact details on the GC website at www.global-council.com or via the link in the podcast notes. Thanks very much, and we'll see you again next week. Bye-bye.